I found, I'll start here, you know, all the talk recently about electric vehicles, you know, some love them, they get a lot of jokes, you see all the memes all over uh, Facebook about them, uh, everybody's got their opinion on them. I found this article from TheVerge.com that I thought was pretty fascinating. Uh, Tesla's latest full self-driving software now lets you decide how much of a jerk you want to be on the road, says Yahoo. The full self-driving beta lets you choose from three driving profiles that dictate how the car will react to certain situations on the road. Each mode, chill, average, and assertive, varies in terms of aggressiveness and potential safety. An image posted to Twitter gives us a more detailed glimpse at what this actually means. In the description beneath the assertive option, Tesla notes the vehicle will have a smaller follow distance and perform more uh, frequent speed lane changes. The vehicle will also not exit passing lanes and may perform rolling stops. It's not entirely clear whether this means cars won't come to a full stop at stop signs. In chill mode, the vehicle will have a larger follow distance and perform fewer speed lane changes, while average mode means the car will have a medium follow distance and may perform rolling stops. It's hard to tell just how much these FSD profile changes, full self-driving profile changes, the way the vehicle drives, and if they push the limits of safety, especially when traveling in the rain or snow. If the descriptions above of these profiles are accurate, this means that Tesla in assertive mode may follow behaviors that tend to be more dangerous no matter the car you're in. And that is an article from The Verge by Emma Roth. And what an interesting concept that you can choose your driving style and how aggressive you're driving or the car will be. Yet it also affords us a fascinating look into our own life. Like when we are born, we're born in the flesh and we're kind of born naturally with this assertive mode. Like we teach kids to share their toys and, and don't hit and not to be selfish, right? They're in pretty much an, an assertive mode. And then Christ comes into our life and makes us a brand new creation and brings a new program, the chill mode, and now we can chill through life. Isn't that great? How are you chilling, I wonder, this week? We are in our series here. This is week number six of Fruitology. The spiritually fruitful life is the abundant life. What a simple concept this is. And the more fruit you bear, the more abundant your life will be. And today's flavor then is the flavor of patience. We're going to talk about flavor. We said there's one core fruit, that's love, and everything else is kind of like an offshoot of love, a different flavor of love, and today's flavor is patience. And I got to thinking about this, like, how would you like to do a little self-examination this morning? Like, yeah, how would you like to rate yourself? You know, maybe you wouldn't, right? How patient are you? One, I'm very chill. You know, five, I'm average. Ten, I'm very aggressive. I wonder where you are in your life right now and where you would put yourself. If you got notes, you can circle a number on there. You don't got to show your neighbor, although they may already know. Uh. <laughs> in fact, maybe we should trade papers and let our neighbor answer for us. How patient are you with me, anyway? But I thought, here's the other question. Where and with who would you like to be more patient? Like, where and in, in, in with who in your life would you like to show more patience? You want to show more patience. We'll see today that that is actually a possibility, that God is developing patience in us like a fruit. He's developing patience in us, and we can become more and more and more patient over time. We really can, and more and more patient with the same people. Whether, and, and in fact, to today's message here actually is the beauty and strength of a patient heart, and we'll look at both sides of that here momentarily, but whether it is in our marriage, dealing with a cranky coworker or handling the latest personal crisis, we will see today that there is a biblical patience, which is the fruit of the Spirit, that is both beautiful and strong. It can transform our relationships, inform us in our struggles, and conform us so we look more like Christ. And so there are two central words here, and I put a, 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 like a table on your handouts there, if you have handouts, that goes through this. I've never done such a deep dive. But there are two words here. One and again, as I've said before, I am terrible at pronouncing other languages. I, I'm really good at English, but not even so good at English sometimes, my mom would say. But, but here's one, Mark, um, Mark, Mark Rothumia. 
Marathumia, you're supposed to roll that R somehow in there. Um, and it's, it's the compound of two words, meaning long-suffering. We find it in Colossians 3.12, and the King James always uses the word long-suffering in this instance. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So that's one word, and then there's a secondary word. This, this word is long plus suffering, it's a compound of two words. The other word then is, um, is this, hupamuna, hupamuna. And it is also a noun, they're both nouns, and this means actually it's the compound of two words, under and remain, or to remain under, or to abide under. And we find it, for instance, in this very popular passage in James 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet, Trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The ESV always pr- uh, usually uses the word steadfastness instead of patience in this tense. And let the steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So we see the first one, it's kind of like we're supposed to bear with each other and be patient and be long-suffering. And then the second one is to be steadfast or to be patient uh, under the weight of the circumstances that we are going through. And that's how we're going to outline the message this morning through these simply through these two definitions. And so you can see on your handout there, if you want to glance at that, I put some of this on the screen. You can see these two words. Uh, again, one is a compound of two words, long plus wrath or fierceness is long suffering. The other is under and remain or to remain under. One, this word over here is used of God. It's the fruit of the Spirit, what you, what you find in Galatians 5.23, this makrothumia. It's found in Galatians 5. It's descriptive of God. It is paralleled in the Old Testament, actually. There's a word in the Old Testament that parallels this. And then this other word is not used of God. He does not need to remain under because he can bear anything, but he is long-suffering with us. And that's the point, is that one of this patience is in respect to persons, how I treat people, and the other is in res- respect to my circumstances and putting up with difficult circumstances. Both have positive connotations, but the more upbeat of the two words is this hupamonia. Hup, no, <laughs> I'm going to com- put both words together. Hupamuna. Hupamuna. Why is it so hard to say it when I'm up here? Hupamuna. <laughs> it's like, and, and this word is the more upbeat of the two. Uh, the first word is more related to love, how we treat other people. This word is related more to hope and, and having hope in our circumstances. The knowledge is, is, is wrath or revenge versus cowardice or despondency. And neither of these words uh, lean towards apathy. Neither of them do, but this first word in respect to people does have a little more, like a little, it's, it's long-suffering. It's a little slower uh, in our response. And we have greater caution and wisdom as we use that patience. Here's our big idea today. We'll walk through this, whether that was helpful or not. It was to me. I've never done such a deep dive to compare that. And if you study that, it will make more sense to you probably than me trying to walk through it. Today's big idea, though, is God is patient with me even as he is growing his patience in me. What a great thought. God is patient with me even as he is growing his patience in me. And we're going to start and look at this then in this sense, how and where do I need to embrace God's patience? And we're going to look at three basic relationships today where I need to embrace the patience of God in my life. And we'll start with this first word. Uh, I need patience as Christ is formed in me. That's the first one. I need patience as Christ is formed in me. I just do. I need patience as Christ is formed in me and this is what's going on in my life from the moment I was saved. God has been forming, Christ has been forming himself in me. This goes back to, and it's funny how Derek, every now and then Derek throws this out there and uh, reminds me of this from last summer when I talked about God's most outrageous promise for us in Galatians 4.19. My little children from whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. What a great promise, right? And it is, and God is forming himself Christ is forming himself in us and because of that we should have a lot of hope and a lot of patience in what God is doing in our life in fact we started out this year with a sermon series based on this verse in Philippians 1 6 and I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ and so God is working in you and on you and through you until the day he returns for you isn't that great He's working in you, on you, and through you until the day he returns for you, and he's making you more patient day by day. So 
I need patience as Christ is formed in me. Now the irony of this is, is what God's forming in me. Part of what God's forming in me is God's forming more patience in me. <laughs> that's, that's a beautiful thing, right? In all that he's patient. So I'm, I'm patiently waiting on God who's forming more patience in me. It's a great thing. And it reminds me a little bit, reminds me a little bit of the forever seeds. You know what forever seeds are, right? Like you know, like, Derek's got the garden going out there, but you know if you went to the store and bought some produce and ate it and took the seeds out of that produce, you couldn't grow more produce because they're all GMO and uh, modified and patented by, you know, corporate farmers, you know, the big... So, you know, we can't, like, grow our own food, but we can if you get forever seeds. What they do is they produce food that then produce seeds that can be replanted over and over and over again. And that's the fruit of the Spirit. Did you know that? The fruit of the Spirit is like forever seeds. Like, God grows patience in me, and that patience grows more patience. What a great thing. Joy grows more joy. As I said, joy is a super fruit or super fruit. It, it just has seeds that grows more fruit in me, makes my life more fruitful. And patience, if you're patient, will, will make your life more fruitful and more abundant. The first message of this series, we talked about those four heart soils, right? Remember, in three of the soils, I don't even know if the first three soils, the person ever really received the word and got saved. We don't know for sure, but we know that last seed, that person got saved. And here's what it says in Luke 8:15. And as for that, in the good soil, the good soil of the good heart, are, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. And so patience certainly plays a role in how fruitful my life is and the fruit that I can bear if I'll just wait on God. He will grow incredible fruit in me. And patience believes that 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 seed that went in the ground is going to grow even when the storms of life come. And so don't miss this, that Christ is being formed in me and as he's formed in me, I become more and more and more patient. It's a self-perpetuating reality. Let me give you four partnerships then. When you look at this, this issue of patience and, and as Christ is being formed in you and having patience, let me give you four partnerships. Let me start here. Philippians 4, 5. Let your reasonableness, we read this last Sunday, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not uh, be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So leverage here the partnership between prayer and patience. Like leverage the partnership between prayer and patience. We're told to bring our requests to God and, and, and pray and, and pray passionately and pray continually. And sometimes our prayers feel like a cruel joke, don't they? Right? Like we pray and God doesn't intervene and we pray and we ask God and he's like he's not even acknowledging my prayer. He seems to be distantly simple or silent. Distantly silent. So we need to be, be, be patient with our prayers. We need to know we are praying to a faithful God and we, know, we need to know we are praying to a God who is close because what does Philippians say? That God is near. He's at hand. He's close. He's right here. He hears you. He hears you. You can trust him. Even, even recently, God has been showing to me, he's just been showing me a glimpse of my own life and my own prayer life, which right now I feel like my prayer life isn't where it was five years ago. And I'm like, I wish I was praying like I, like, you know, I just need to get back there. But he's showing me even now that the seeds of prayer that I planted five years ago are, in some ways, I can see them bearing fruit now in my life. And that's a beautiful thing to realize. So Leverage the partnership between prayer and patience. And this makes me think of the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, right? Because Lazarus gets really sick and Mary and Martha call on Jesus to come and heal their brother. And he's their good friend. Like Mary and Martha and Lazarus, good friends of Jesus. So certainly Jesus will show up and heal their brother, right? Uh, but Jesus takes his time with the disciples. And by the time he gets there, Lazarus has been in the grave for four days. Mary and Martha are grieving deeply and they're hurt deeply kind of a little bit miffed at jesus maybe like why didn't you show up and you heal all these strangers you don't even know and then your best friend here lazarus you can't even show up to heal him what gifts and they would have felt like god didn't answer their prayer like god didn't even acknowledge our prayer and he showed up late after the fact and he wasn't listening and it's really hard. But what they don't realize is that by this time, you, you know what happens, right? He lays, raises Lazarus from the dead. And then the story of Lazarus' resurrection starts spreading out all over the place, bringing glory to God and turning many people to believe in Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. 
And, and, and what would we say to, to, Mary and, uh, to, to Mary and Martha in that moment? We, we would wrap our arms around them and say, God's faithful. God heard you. Just trust him. God is never late. He is always listening. And in fact, he is always right on time. And so we, in our life sometimes, are bringing the same request to God over and over and over, over a period of time. Until one day God answers. But here's the thing we can't miss out on. Sometimes God will answer your prayers by not answering your prayers. It's like, what? How's that work? But sometimes, because sometimes my prayers are not about changing my circumstances, they're about changing me. Right? And as I pray and I pray and I pray, and pretty soon I realize that what I'm praying for, I don't want that anymore. I've been changed. God did a work in me. And that's an amazing, an amazing, an amazing thing. So let's pray. Let's bring our requests to God with all the gusto and passion we have and then let's be patient and trust a faithful God who is in the process of forming Christ in my life. Again, God is patient with me even as he is growing his patience in me. Here's a second partnership. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And so he's going to get in now. Paul's going to talk about this hope we have, this like this future hope, like we're going through difficulty and hardship and adversity. But hang on, there's hope coming for us. And he goes down to verse 24 and says this, for in this hope, this future hope and glory, we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So the, the fact is, hope is something you can't see. That's why it's hope, right? I can't see it, but I have hope. And we have a guaranteed hope in Christ, right? Of a future eternal uh, eternity and glory. And so he says, if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So leverage the partnership between hope and patience. Like in your waiting, know that you have a hope. Like in your waiting, know that you have a guarantee. And it's a beautiful thing to stop and consider this, this relationship. Now here's the irony. Our greatest struggle with this hope, think about this. Our greatest struggle with this hope, right? We, ha we have this hope. And our greatest struggle with this hope is found over here in uh, 2 Peter 3.5 or 3.9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So we're waiting on eternity. We're waiting on going to glory to be with Christ for all eternity, right? We all want it, we all want it. And, and our biggest struggle is like, God, we're waiting. When are you gonna come? It's like, you know, and so our biggest ironic struggle with this is our struggle to be patient in that sense is because God is being patient with us. <laughs> you follow that? Does it make sense? Like God is just being patient so many more people can come to Christ and while God's waiting on us, we're waiting on him. It's like have hope. Leverage the partnership of patience and, and hope and know that in your waiting you can have hope. I saw a great, uh, a great meme this week. The day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit. Be patient, be hopeful. Right, Derek? Yeah. Right. So hopefully, hopefully this fall, Derek's going to bring pumpkin pie Sunday to church, right? <laughs> but it's a beautiful reality that God has set a glorious hope out in front of us and we can focus on that hope and we can wait because we have this hope waiting for us in glory. And it's the same thing that carried Christ through the cross, right? There was, there was this hope and there was this joy on the other side of the cross that carried him through the cross. It's the very thing that even reading our comments yesterday, some of were posting comments about Howard's passing and some of the little lighthearted jokes that were made about Howard's passing, you know, were not insensitive in any way. They're rooted in this hope we have that Howard's up there telling jokes. He's up there telling the Heavenly Father his best dad jokes. God's like, well, I didn't hear that one. He's like, yeah, I got that one from my pastor. <laughs> so think about this hope that we have then. I have a, a hope that God has prepared an eternal future for me in glory. I also have the hope, though, that God will be working in me, on me, and through me until the day he comes for me. It's the hope, right? It's the hope that God is patient with me even as he is growing his patience in me. Here's a third partnership. 2 Thessalonians 1.3 We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly 
and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Verse 4. Therefore we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the, in the afflictions that you are enduring. So leverage the partnership between faith and patience, right? Between faith and patience. And, and note here how their faith was growing abundantly. Patience is partly responsible for our faith growing abundantly. The more patient I can be, the more my faith can grow. But wait, at the same time, I was thinking about how faith can be like a fertilizer for my patience. Like in those seasons when I'm, wait, when I'm waiting, faith can work like hope. Faith can believe something is happening under the ground even when I can't see it. How about that? Last summer, we, we pulled a bunch of bushes out of our house that were like, you know, 18 years, you know, overdue, and we cleaned them out, and we put some new bushes in, and we put in a hydrangea plant. And put it in like early last fall. It's a good time to plant those, right? Well, about a month later, all I've got is a pile of sticks there. And I'm like, this thing died. And I'm pretty bummed we blew 30 bucks, you know, on this plant. And it didn't go anywhere. And then lo and behold, this spring, something green started coming out of the ground. And now I had a picture of it. And I forgot to put it in my notes here. But we have all these beautiful purple flowers on this hydrangea plant. Who knew that I had such a green thumb and that a green thumb could produce, produce uh, purple flowers? How about that? But that's the reality. And, and sometimes you just see a pile of sticks, but realize something is going on underneath the ground. And have that faith. You know, the, really this, this, this faith, patience, leverage, the, the greatest story in the Bible about this is probably the classic story of Abraham and Sarah, right? Because God comes to Abraham and, and gives him those promises and Abraham believes God. He's a man of great faith and he follows God to the promised land just like God said. Abraham didn't really have a faith problem. He had a patience problem. He really did. And so eventually God comes back to Abraham and doubles down on the promises and says, you're going to have a special child, you know, and he's going to be born. And, uh, and they're, Abraham and Sarah are like excited about this. And then about, I think it's 15 years later, I forgot the exact timeline here, but about 15 years later, I think, and, or 10 years later, and nothing's happened. And uh, they still believed. It's just, Sarah's like, Abraham, I didn't think you heard God right. Like, you're not doing something right. Maybe we need to help him out, right? And so Sarah tells Abraham, you need to take my handmaid and have a baby with her. Fulfill the promise. You know, God needs a little help. And uh, Abraham, being the spiritual leader that he wasn't at the time, said, yeah, that's a good idea. What could go wrong? <laughs> About everything, you know. And here we are, 2,000 years, 4,000 years later, whatever, still wrestling with all the implications because because Abraham just couldn't wait. He had faith, he believed, but he didn't have the patience. And, and, and boy, he should have just been a little patient and waited on God. And probably in the whole process, God was growing his patience. God never needs any help. We just need to know that. Trust him, he doesn't need help. While a lack of faith fails to believe for God's best, impatience always has us settling for less than God's best. So we can believe, maybe, but... We have to have patience as well. And partnering together, they can produce an incredible abundant fruit in my life, a, a harvest in my life, a, a very fruitful life. You know, the faith-patience partnership, though, is probably never more tested and probably never more powerfully seen than when we go through seasons of adversity, right? In seasons of great adversity, we need faith mixed with patience. We have to have the faith that believes God is doing a powerful work in me, even in the middle of my adversity, in the, even in the middle of that hardship, I saw a great, I like to watch these little just for laugh gags reels, you know, on YouTube. And they had one this week where a photographer was asking people to come, strangers off the seat to come be in a photo shoot for him. And he would give them a pose, they were outside, just give them a pose. Just hold this pose for me. And they were holding something in their arm or something. And just hold that. And he's up there to take the picture. And he waits and he waits and they're holding it and they're holding it. And then finally, you know, after a while they... They readjust or let their arms down. He would immediately take the picture. And then he'd look at them all disgusted. <laughs> like he didn't wait long enough, right? And then he'd do it to them a second time. By the third time, they were kind of catching on. Okay, he's playing with me here, you know? But sometimes it feels like that. We're in this circumstance or this situation, and we're holding, and we're holding, and we're holding, and we're holding. We just need to wait on God. He's faithful. Wait on his timing. And, and we just give up a second too early. 
God is patient with me even as he is growing his patience in me. And then leverage the partnership between gratitude and patience. Look at this verse here. Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And I read something this week as I was studying and it said something about how, how gratitude can help us be more patient. And I thought that's a, that's a really sensible one, right? It's really sensible. So leverage the partnership between gratitude and patience. And this is really seen in the reverse more clearly, right? Because here's the reality. Whenever I'm griping and I'm complaining, I'm impatient, right? It, it's, usually that's the way it works. It's like very seldom am I being patient and if, if I'm griping and complaining. I think that's pretty powerful. And so I was thinking about that reality. I found this great quote, patience, admirable quality in the driver behind you, impossible to understand in the one ahead of you, right? I had that just today. Coming to church, I'm at a, I, the light turns green, and I just didn't gas it across the, the line quick, and the guy across the street like, what are you doing? You know, I'm like, hey, it's Sunday, I'm going to church, I got praise music on. Give me at least two seconds. But, but we're all that way, we get annoyed with people, and then people get annoyed with us, and Here's a great simple application. Go back to that opening question. Where and who do you want to have more patience with or when do you want to have more patience in your life and what circumstances? And uh, just think about that. And in those moments, think about that person and just be deliberate in that situation, in that circumstance or with that person. Be deliberate to be more grateful for them. You'll be more patient with them. Instead of beeping on the horn like, get out of here, You're, you're making me wait. You know, it's like, I'm so great, she or he takes the time to look so good before we go out. Leverage that, and I'll give you one more here. Leverage the partnership between grace and patience, and this is simply in short, give yourself lots of grace because God has. Be patient with yourself because God is. We're gonna drop the ball, we're gonna fail, we're gonna blow it, and when we do, pick ourselves up and give yourself a lot of grace because God gives you a lot of grace. Trust God, have faith, rest deeply. Read up, stand up, look up. And as you go through challenges and adversity, when you blow it, just give yourself a lot of grace because God is. Be patient with yourself just as God is. God is patient with me even as he's growing his patience in me. Let's look at the second half then, the second definition. And uh, again, I need patience as Christ is formed in you. So I need patience as Christ is formed in me, right? As I'm going through adversity and life and difficulty and hardship, be patient with myself, give myself lots of grace. Be patient with me like God is patient with me, but then I need patience as Christ is formed in you and as God is forming himself in your life. This is that second word, makrothumia. Uh, makrothumia. And uh, yeah, Patience as Christ is formed in you. And the people around us need patience. They need, they need lots of patience, just as I need lots of patience. We each need lots of patience. That's the reality. And this is that word again, long plus suffering or long suffering. And this applies to both those who don't know Christ and those who do know Christ. Think about those who are not saved in your life. That coworker who doesn't pull his fair share at work. That neighbor who gets on your nerves. That relative that you don't want to claim. They all need to see the fruit of the Spirit in me. They do. <laughs> I'm just going to hit a, a touchy spot there. <laughs> we all related to that. I was thinking, though, in short, how about this? There's that word long-suffering, acrothumia. But people need to be attracted to Christ because I make Christ attractive. As I make Christ attractive, people are attracted to Christ. And, and so much so that there's this point where, well, maybe this is the question right here, right? The question that, does your life make Christ attractive to the point where people look at you and say, boy, I'm really envious of that Wayne. How is he so patient with himself? <laughs> How does he live with himself? He's so patient with himself. <laughs> but no, be patient with yourself. Be patient with those around you and, and live your life in such a way that you make Christ attractive, that people look at you and think, boy, I want their joy. I want their peace. I want their Patience. So the unsafe people in your life, you can really, your patience can spark something in their 
spirit that's dead to God, but they still have a spirit there, and something can be sparked to where they're like, I wish my spirit had that. I wish my soul had that. But at the same time, thinking that of just the believers, those who are saved, those who are my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, they likewise need the fruit of patience from me. So consider this patience a minute. And let's look here. Three ways to express the beauty of patience. We talked about the strength of patience. Here's the beauty of patience. And one thing that patience does is patience allows us, well, let's start here in 1 Peter 3. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited, his long-sufferingness waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. And this word here, patience, the the, the long-sufferingness of God. The King James says long-suffering. The, the, the Old Testament in the King James says um, slow to anger. That's the way it translates it in the Old Testament. He was slow to anger. And, and just think about this reality here, right? That patience, <coughs> patience allows us to express the very essence of God. Right, this patient, patience comes from the essence of who God is. It's a flavor of his love. And when I am patient, I can, I can express the very essence of God. This is his patience in my life. And think about this reality, right? <clears throat> that I was thinking God gets a really bad rap, right? God gets a really bad rap in the Old Testament. Like he's this, he's this angry, homophobic, insensitive, and irrational God. That's who he is. And I'm like, and smart people say that. And I'm like, did you ever read the Bible? Did you ever put down a calendar of, t- you know, here's how it works. This is what we, we miss. He creates Adam and Eve. They fall. <clears throat> 1,500 years go by. It's the days of Noah. There's one righteous guy left. God's like, I got I to gotta start over. I got to wipe everybody out and start over. And he wipes everybody out and starts over with Noah. 1,500 years. That's long suffering. He's down to his last righteous guy. And then he makes a promise never to destroy the, the earth with a flood again. You know why he made that promise? You know why? Well, he knew the cross was coming, right? But how, how did he know that he wouldn't need to do it again in 1,500 years? Well, he kind of knew in 500 years the Tower of Babel would happen and he would spread mankind all over the world and confuse their languages and that's why things didn't get as bad as quickly as they did in the first 1,500 years. So God's pretty smart there. But realize this, from Genesis 1 to Genesis 11 is 2,000 years. And what you see in the Old Testament, you see a God that's not much of an interventionist, is he? Like he, he kind of just gives us our free will and he gave us the world and he, he kind of steps back and we make a mess of things and he's very patient. He's incredibly long-suffering. And then he intervenes in the day of Abraham and says, okay, you're my people. And the next 2,000 years from, from Genesis 11 to the New Testament, even to really Paul, that's all about the Israelite people. And for 2,000 years, he's incredibly patient with a, with a people who continually reject him. And so God is certainly long-suffering. And we miss that many times. And when I am patient, I am expressing that same long-sufferingness of God. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience or long-suffering. That's the exact same word you find in the Old Testament. It's, 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 it's the parallel to the Old Testament. It's what we are seeing here in this second word. And it is extremely practical. I love this. Patience is the ability to put up with the people you'd like to put down. <laughs> and we're all there. We, we can relate. These are just... But here is something. I was going to mention this back earlier in the series. I didn't have time to fit it in. But did you ever notice this? This is the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, 3. Note the parallel between the love chapter and the fruit of the Spirit. Love is patient. <laughs> love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endure all things. And it's kind of like the fruit of the Spirit is love, and everything else is a flavor of that love. In 1 Corinthians 13, love, you just see all the flavor of love. Everything love is, how it's defined. Love is this noun. Love here is a noun, and then it's described by all these verbs. The fruit of the Spirit is a love, or the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. They're all nouns. It's, it's, it's Christ in me. It's what I possess. It's not how I behave. 
What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful reality. Love is patient. That first line struck me though. Love is patient and kind. It's like patience is the doorway to great relationships. It is. You want great relationships. Put up the doorway of patience and, and just be patient. As you're patient, as you step into patience, and as you're patient with people, great things can happen in your relationships. Great relationships, know this, are built over time. They're built on trust, and that requires patience. Patience allows you then, secondly, to process your emotions. Patience allows you to process your emotions. This is what is so beautiful about patience. Patience allows me to express the essence of who God is. Now, patience is allowing you to process your emotions. What do I mean here? Well, again, we all need lots of patience, right? And God is growing patience in me, but he's not growing it overnight, is he? Like, he's going to be doing this in me, on me, and through me until the day he comes for me. So my patience then, when I'm patient with you, can help you on your journey as your, as Christ is being formed in you and you're growing patience in your own life. And my patience can help you process the emotions you are dealing with. Let me set up a hypothetical situation for you here and walk through it. Let's say Fred and Bob are good friends, but Fred is really upset with Bob. Right now, he's really upset with Bob. And Bob doesn't know what to do. What can Bob do that will be helpful? Naturally, we, if, if someone's upset with us, what do we do? We get upset with them. It's like, I didn't do anything to you. What did I do to you? And we get upset with them. Well, James 1.19 tells us what Bob can do. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So, be slow to speak, slow to anger but quick to listen. So think about this. When I, when, when instant, in this instance, when Bob is patient with Fred because Fred's annoyed at him and he doesn't know why when he's patient, he's going to allow Fred to process his emotions. Here's the, the thing. We're all good at wearing masks, right? We're good at wearing masks in life to hide our truest emotions, our deepest insecurities, and our biggest struggles. Many, many of the times, we're wearing masks to simply hide our true emotions. Like, I'm hiding my true emotions. And sometimes, look about this, sometimes, like, we wear a mask, uh, like, our mask is a secondary emotion. Like, I wear anger. Like, I'm really angry at you. Because I'd rather you see me being angry than you see me being afraid or scared. Because that's a little more vulnerable. If I'm, anger, if I'm angry, I'm in control and I have a reason to be angry at you and that's, that feels better than I'm scared and I'm vulnerable and I'm weak and I don't want you to see that. So I put on the secondary uh, mask emo, emotion of anger. And so in our story here, that's kind of what, 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 what could be going on with Fred and Bob, right? As the, as the story is unpacked, as the story works its way out, what we find out is that is that Bob took a new job, 45 minutes away in a new city, and is moving to a new city. And they're, right now they're about 15 minutes apart, they're going to be 45 minutes apart, and Fred is a little scared that their relation, you know, they're good friends, they do a lot of stuff together. Their families do a lot of stuff together. He's concerned about, you know, and as Bob is patient, and as Fred starts to work through all his emotions, they can get to the real issue. We can put all kinds of masks on. We can put on a mask of confidence like I've got it all together when inside I'm full of doubt and insecurity because I don't want people to see my doubt and insecurity so I act like I've got it all together. I don't need you. I don't need anybody. We also put on the mask uh, to hide our independence. Like, yeah, I need you and boy, I need God and I'm trusting God and I'm, when inside, <laughs> we're, we're afraid to trust you or God. We're just depending on ourselves. We're just being independent. We wear all kinds of masks to hide how we really feel inside. And the nuance of our masks, think about this, the nuance of our masks and how and what we hide behind them sure do vary. Yet it is a real thing. So God tells us to be patient with each other and listen before we speak. Let people process their emotions so we can get to what's really going on. Again, God is patient with me even as he is growing his patience in me. He's patient with me so I can be patient with you. It's his patience he's growing in me. And he is long-suffering with you, and I should be long-suffering with you. Here's a, here's a, a, third, a third beautiful side of this whole thing of 
this patience. Colossians 3.12 again, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And bottom line is patience, patience allows me to understand you even better. Patience then allows me, as you process your emotions, then patience allows me to understand you even better. And and note what this patience is tied to. Be be patient and bear with. And it's tied to what? It's tied to compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and meekness. It's tied to the fact that we are now holy, sanctified and set apart, that we have the image of Christ in us. That's where this comes from. It's not me, it's Christ in me, ultimately, that is helping me be patient. It's an incredible thing. It's God's patient patience at work in my life towards you and as i am patient this allows me to understand you better and and it allows me it allows you it allows us both as we're patient to see behind the mask to take the mask off and say what's the real issue here what's really going on fred why are you really angry or are you really angry or are you maybe not as scared you know i I thought about this a little bit i was going to read this and kind of see but i think this kind of just going off my memory, is a picture of Moses and the burning bush experience. Remember that? And God comes to Moses and God says to, to Moses, I want you to lead the Exodus. And, and what does Moses do but put on mask after mask after mask? He has excuse after excuse after excuse. He's not suited, he's not qualified, he's, he won't be respected, he's not a great communicator. And God, to some degree, patiently sits there and talks it out with Moses. No, that's okay, you're, you're qualified. No, that's okay, the, the, no, that's okay, I'll have Aaron speak with you, that's okay. And then finally, what happens finally? Finally, Moses gets down, he's taking all his masks off, he's like, okay, God, I'll be honest, I don't want to do it. I don't want to, I'm afraid, I don't want to do it, okay? And God's like, no, that's not okay. I invested 80 years in you, 40 years in the palace, 40 years in the wilderness. I invested 80 years in you. You're the perfect guy for the job, so no, you're doing it. (laughs) That's a good friend, right? That sits down there and just lets us process our emotions and and take off all our masks until finally we say, okay, this is, is, okay, Bob, this is it. I'm just worried that that's going to happen. And a good friend says, well, stop. It's not going to happen. We need to be patient. Let people sometimes process their emotions to an extent, even vent. And just listen to them. Talk over their issues. Proverbs 17, 27. Whoever restrains his word has knowledge. Wow. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. So listen, and you'll, you'll, you'll get to see behind the mask. You'll get to the real issue. You really will. God is patient with me even as he is growing his in me, right? So so patience then, this long-suffering patience allows me to express the essence of who God is. It allows you to unpack and process your emotions and then it allows me to understand you even better. It allows you to understand yourself even better. In the end, we take the mask off, we're real with each other. We talk things out. It's kind of like our Sunday school class down there each week. We together and not always, but we have an issue, we have a verse, we have a passage, and we just talk it and talk it and talk it out. And pretty soon, everybody, like, we all get a clearer picture of what this thing looks like as we just patiently talk it out. It's a beautiful. Let me give you one last thing. So I need to be patient as Christ is formed in me, and I need to be patient as Christ is formed in you. But there's one last direction this morning, one last relationship. What could that be? Well, let's look at these verses here in Ephesians 4. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And he jumps down here in Ephesians 4, jumps down to verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped 
when each part is working properly, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I need to be patient as Christ is formed in me. I need to be patient as Christ is formed in you. And I need to be patient as Christ is formed in us. Because that's what God's doing. It's an amazing thing that's beyond our comprehension, right? But God is taking us, and as he's growing you, and as he's growing me, and as he's growing, he's growing us together. That's a pretty wild one. We're growing together as a body. It's pretty amazing to think about. And some are ligaments in the knee, and others are tendons in an arm. Others are muscles in an eye, or maybe the pupil. Others have maybe a part in the vocal cords, whatever it is. We're all uniquely gifted. We're all a part of, of God's family, of God's body. We're being, we're being grown together and God is patiently growing us together and we need to be patient with each other as we are grown together. And I've said it before and it's such a simple thought, but you know what? God, it would be hard for God to grow patience in my life without you and vice versa. Like we need each other because how do we learn to be patient when people test our patience? <laughs> I have to be patient. And we, we can all think about the people that, we can all think about the people that, uh, like, I, I was just, just thinking this this morning, <laughs> walking through the halls here, I was thinking about a couple of people individually, and, and just in my mind, I was thinking about, but they seem really annoyed about something. You just want to say, what's, what's the issue? You know, you're, you're complaining about everything. And, uh, and then it just struck me, it's like, yeah. Yeah, they are. Be patient with them. Just be patient with them. Because there's times they're patient with you or they need to be patient with you. You want them to be patient with you. In the end, patience is the work of God in me. He grows the fruit and then I simply walk in the spirit and bear it. And as I am patient with him, he will grow even more patience in me. And yes, God is patient with me even as he is growing his patience in me. Let me leave you with this last thoughts here. So, I don't know where this message lands for you today, but I wonder again, who is the person in your life that needs you, that needs you to be patient with them? That person that needs you to bear with them in this season of their life. And I wonder again, what mode is your life driving on? Ask yourself today, is my life driving on assertive, average, or chill? I wonder, are you able to slow down and to chill out even when you are tempted to be stressed out? I also wonder, are you maybe waiting on God? Do you realize a little too, do you relate a little too much to Mary and Martha and Lazarus this morning? Are you waiting on God to hear your prayers and then show up and answer them? Or maybe, just maybe this morning, God is waiting on you to be quicker to listen to him and a little slower to complain to him and get angry with him. I can assure you, if you listen to him, he will remind you that yes, I am being patient with you even as I am growing my patience in you. And hopefully you are more patient today than you were 10 years ago. And hopefully in 10 years, you'll be more patient than you are today, all the way until that day when our waiting is over and God's work in us is complete. Sandra McCracken writes this. I thought it was really cool. Our two spiritual time zones. She says she's a, uh, she's a music artist. I woke up before the sun on a recent uh, morning, just home from some overseas travel. The discomfort of jet lag is one of my favorite embodied metaphors of our spiritual reality. Try to picture this. We live in a liminal space. We are pulled between two time zones. On the one hand, by faith, we are held secure in the love of God. We have received full redemption. On the other hand, though we have been made secure in Christ, we continue to experience uncertainty. We are sojourners, not yet home. Jet lag is oddly conforming. Uh, is oddly comforting for me because it reminds me that much conflict in life takes time to resolve. There's no way around it. Our bodies and our hearts require patience as they acclimate to new surroundings. In seasons of doubt or slow change, I come back to the truth that above my uncertainty, I am secure. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your patience with all of us because we require a lot of it. And we always think the other guy needs a lot of, well, he needs a lot of patience, right? We all need patience. And thankfully, Lord, that you are being patient with me even as you are growing your patience in me. May I know that this week? May I know that you're forming Christ in me and in those around me? Maybe there are some that don't know you yet. 
They need to see Christ in me. They, they need to, to see the, the fruit of the Spirit in me in such a way that they want what I have so Christ can be formed in them. And God, thank you that in all of this, you are forming, uh, you are forming Christ in all of us together. May we let you do that work. Thank you so much for this good day. Bless the rest of our week in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Very good.